Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Krista. And we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age. It's about the feeling. All of us are almost something, seeking community and resources to support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting. Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. My name is Krista Williams. I am your host today and I'm really excited to be with you. If you're new to Almost 30, welcome. You don't need to be 30 or almost 30 to listen. It's the name of the show that my best friend and I started when we were almost 30. We are now over 30. We talk about spirituality, health and wellness, personal development, It's really something where I create what I want to see in the world. I really want to talk about the things that I find the most relevant and pertinent, the things that are impacting my life, the things that I'm learning about and going through. And today's topic is going to be one of those. You can find more information at Almost30 at almost30.com, almost30podcast on TikTok, on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at it's Krista, it's I-T-S-K-R-I-S-T-A. And we should just get right into it. So today's episode, how to not care what people think is hilarious because in recording this solo episode, I asked the producer to leave the room (laughs) because I get so weird when I'm recording solo episodes. I feel so uncomfortable with people being in the room. I don't know why. There's just something about me wanting to be just with you psychically and not have anyone watching me or looking at me. So in my episode talking about not caring what people think, I'm in a full face of makeup with fully done hair asking my producer to leave. So it's kind of the point of the episode to really talk about our desire to not have people think anything of us or a desire to get over the fact that we do care what people think. I think there's the part of me that really understands the experience of wanting to be like that, like kiki kind of snappy like who cares what people think everyone's a loser everyone sucks no one's doing anything interesting it's so lame to care what people think but I just don't think that's the case of being a human on earth I think part of our experience is knowing that people care about us and caring what other people think but in this episode I really want to talk about our human nature of why we care what other people think the fact that we are social creatures We are social animals. It's very normal. Talk about sort of the socialization we've had from a very young age where a lot of us, our worth was based on if other people liked us. For a lot of us, our love was conditional and it meant that we were loved if people liked us, that caring about what other people's opinions of us is really part of a survival mechanism that's really as old as humanity is. And so it's completely normal and it's a part of our process of evolution to care what people think. But I think my goal is to really talk about and be in better relationship to the opinions of others. How can we support ourselves in coming home to ourselves in validating our opinion of ourselves first and our experience first? How could we navigate the human experience as social creatures who value other people's opinions? And how can we really just become more confident in ourselves throughout this entire process? 
So my journey with caring what people think and my experience in having waves of it where I've cared a lot more than others. I remember when I was a teenager, I was like, I don't care what people think. Like, who cares what people think? I was like that inner teen rebel phase where in caring the most what people think, I assumed that I didn't for some reason. And I just think it's so hilarious how sometimes when we are that specific or we have that much energy towards something, even if it's against it, it's usually it's also towards. So when I'm like, I don't care what people think, I'm caring the most what people think when I was a teen. And as I've gotten older, being now a public figure, someone that shares a lot of my life online, shares a lot of my experiences online, shares a lot of my opinions online. It has been something that I've had waves in where I've had times and periods where it's been really, really hard for me to share what's going on, to be really open, to be honest, because I know that there's people that have opinions about what I'm saying, have opinions about how I look, have opinions about how I live my life. I know that there are people that know so much about me and have a lot of perspective of the way that I'm living and who I am. And I even had this situation recently where I was out. And if you are newer to the show and, you know, we're tuning in freshly, I just got out of a long-term relationship and some people call it a divorce. (laughs) And so I left that long-term relationship. I've talked about that process a little bit on the show. And I was out somewhere at a restaurant. I was with a friend. A woman came up to me and she was talking to me. She's a fan of the show. Super kind really great conversation. And she said, I was looking at pictures and I'll never forget from your wedding. When I saw the pictures from your wedding, I thought to myself that this wasn't going to last. And the way that you were talking about your marriage and the way that you were talking about your relationship was something that I really just knew that you guys weren't going to stay together. And my friend that was with me (laughs) was just like jaw drop. She's like, oh my God, I can't believe that people talk to you like this. And it's totally fine because this is what I do. You know, I share openly with people and it's completely fine for people that I share openly with to have an opinion or perspective on my life. And so I was just curious. I'm like, oh my gosh, what about it? Like made you think that? And the whole thing too is that she was right about the situation. So I was just curious about her perspective and what she saw. But it did remind me that being a public figure, there are people that think about me that think about what I do, that think about the things that I say and how I live, like I said, and that it can be something that if I'm too close to it, if I'm too in relationship to it, if I was seeing people every single day that were saying, oh my God, you said this thing or you did this thing or I thought this about you, that would be so hard. And in my journey of stepping more into my purpose and in my power, I've really had to remove myself from as many opinions and perspectives from the outside as possible, whether that's public feedback or whether that's reviews or whether that's comments or things like that, so that I could remain in my authenticity and sanity through the entire process. So really focusing on my own reality that I'm in, like me being at dinner with a friend, what is the reality that we're in, rather than in my mind or rather than in the experience of others has been incredibly important. But it's more so been something where I have to be in right relationship to myself 
rather than getting rid of it altogether. So when we think about the concept of caring what people think and not caring what people think and having a better relationship with that, we can remember that humans are by nature social animals. So this is why we care what other people think of us. We want to belong, to be accepted, and to bond with other members of our social pack. We've evolved throughout history in groups and in packs, and we've lived in communities over time. Humans are by nature very social creatures and animals. There's a lot of research and studies, and sometimes I don't even like to tell research and studies that feels sad to me, but there's research and studies around children that are born that don't have a lot of touch, human contact, connection from a young age. And oftentimes it's not only that these children have social issues, but they actually die. So we as humans have needs from what I perceive to be beyond Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if you know the research of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it says that we have our basic foundational things that we need, like food, shelter, and water. And then we go above that, we need connection. At the very top, we need love. And I would say that at the foundation of our human experience is to need connection and to be in community and relationship with other people. Because if you've ever had a breakup where the breakup's been really heartbreaking, and even that first breakup, I'll never forget the first breakup that I had. I didn't really care about food, shelter, or water. None of the foundational aspects of my human experience really mattered to me because I had lost and ruptured that very important relationship. So I would even say that connection for humans is even more important sometimes than the basic needs. And I also think that because we're in a society and culture, mostly in the West, where we do have a lot of those needs met a lot of times, that we are so focused on the connection now that that is the most primary thing. And caring about other people's opinions of us is a real survival mechanism that's as old as humanity is itself. So it is completely normal to care what others think of you. It is a part of our process of evolution. It is something that has kept us safe. So if you were someone that through evolution was living in the woods or part of your pack and group and you had to be aware of what the people were thinking of you in your pack or your community or your tribe, because if the opinion started to change, you could be exiled, you could be removed, you could be abandoned, you could be killed. Maybe you guys are all cannibals and they're going to eat you. <laughs> Maybe it's going to get crazy and they're going to freaking eat you. But you actually had to be very aware of what other people were thinking of you. And also, we've been socialized by a culture that really sets the norms for belonging. So from birth, we are told to act a certain way, to dress a certain way, to buy certain products, and to adhere to certain ideologies to be liked or accepted. There is a perception that women have to be nice, that men have to be a certain way, that we have to wear certain things, that we have to look a certain way that we have to achieve, that we have to do, that we have to do all these things to be liked and accepted. So a lot of us grew up, myself included, with the belief that I had to be attractive, I had to be nice, I had to be successful, I had to be kind, I had to be blah, 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 all the boring things to be liked and accepted. My worth was dependent on if others perceived me as successful, 
funny, kind, attractive, whatever the things are. And for men, it might be different. And that conditionality of our love was really part of our experience. And I think for so many people can relate to the experience of feeling like love was conditional based on other people's opinions and perspective of us, mostly our parents. When we think about social media and the concept of social media really taking this popularity contest, this perceived value of a human to a whole new level where you can see how many friends someone has numerically based. You can see how liked they are. You can see how loved they are. You can see how much engagement they get. You can see how many followers they have. So now our value and worth is publicly broadcasted and recorded. So how is it that we are supposed to not care what people think about us, but yet so much of what people think about us is deduced to numbers and then shared on a screen? So to untangle it has actually probably gotten a lot harder than ever before because, you know, when I was growing up, when I was young, I think social media was just coming online when I was like in college. So it was really just starting to pick up. But I had most of my life where my value and worth was really just based on the small community around me and not like a global community of people all over the world. So social media can actually make it a lot harder to really not care what people think and live in your authenticity, and to live in your truth. And there's also childhood. Let's not forget, we are always going to go back to childhood, honey. We will go back to little Krista, to little you, to that little experience that you had where there was the message where we learned that we did not deserve love if we were not pleasing our parents. And almost everyone else for that matter, because for a lot of us, how good we were to our parents or how good we were to the church or how good we were to our neighbors or everyone around us or at soccer practice or whatever it was, was a huge part of it. If we made our parents look good and if you had the experience of being the child of a nurse, <laughs> being a nurse baby, then you might know how painful it was to know that not only you had to please your parents and you had to really live to please your parents, you also had to live to please the people around your parents because it made your parents look good. So part of your value and your worth in life was not only making them feel good, but it was making them look good. So this is a really big issue when we remember that love is survival for us as humans. Being loved, feeling loved, being the experience of love is part of our physical experience as humans. And especially when we are relationally dependent on others like we are as children. So as a young child, as a baby, as a little being, you are dependent on your parents. We as humans, as mammals, are some of the most vulnerable species of all. Not many other mammal species are as vulnerable as we are as children. So we are very, very, very dependent on our parents or the people around us, the people taking care of us from a young age. So if we are dependent on them for food, shelter, water, connection, love, validation, all the things that we need, and we realize from a young age that we have to be a certain way to receive love, it is going to be very hard to remove ourselves from it. 
This is a lot of the work of Dr. Gabor Mate when we think about the concept of attachment versus authenticity. Attachment will always win. And in a big way, I think we as a culture and society are very attached to the opinions of other people and therefore foregoing our authenticity and foregoing what is true for us and what is meaningful for us. And in life, we will usually go with the opinions and perspective of others for fear of being abandoned, neglected, exiled over our own authentic experience in life. So to our little minds, disapproval meant death. Disapproval meant that we would no longer have connection. We would no longer have love. We would no longer be taken care of. We would no longer have food. And when we grow up, it really doesn't change. That's a neural pathway that's been created from a young age. So disapproval can still, for many of us, mean death. It can be the worst feeling in the world. I know that for me, when I get negative feedback or I read a negative comment or something like that, like sometimes it can feel horrible. It feels like such a bad feeling and it still can really sting. If you get bad feedback at work or from a partner, that can still hit and take that neural pathway that you had previously where disapproval can mean death in a lot of ways. Okay, I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. I have been doing these superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him, still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time. But let me just say, this is new. Like, this is a new type of audio that um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future, um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, yesterday I did a pep talk, uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just, I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, it's incredibly supportive. So We actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, And we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. 
I am juggling quite a bit lately. <laughs> I have a new baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, if you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. <laughs> Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, uh, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, so let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, so I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L3 innate. Um, it's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time. Right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. So we have to think about how can we stop caring about what other people think of us if for a lot of us, disapproval means death <laughs> or disapproval means we will be abandoned or exiled or no longer loved. There's a concept and I think a lot of us experience this. I see this a lot on social media because social media is like such a, we want the sound bites and you want the sound bites of like the, who fucking cares what people think? Like, fuck them. Everyone like no one is doing anything interesting. What are these trolls doing at home? Like they have no life, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people will say to not take it personally, you know, who cares? Their opinion doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. But it's just, from my perspective, kind of a dismissive cop-out that can really minimize how you feel. I'm never someone that wants to approach someone that is in an experience of feeling, and especially if there's a part of them that's present in that scenario that we want to invite in. So I'm talking from an internal family systems perspective. If I'm in the experience of my boss has given me horrible feedback and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just reeling because I just feel like I'm trying so hard, all the things. 
and someone says, oh, stop taking it personally, I feel so dismissed. I feel like my experience has been invalidated. And the part of me that's active, because there's a little girl in me that's like, I feel like I have to try so hard. I feel like I'm doing everything I can. The stories happen. And then someone says, just stop taking it personally. You're like, okay, easy for you to say. Sometimes it's not that easy. So my goal is always to move closer to right relationship rather than completely just not care or not take anything personally because it's just not possible from my perspective. When we were children, when we did something wrong, for a lot of us, we were taught that we were bad. This is something... (laughs) Even saying this out loud, I'm like, honey, I need to like have a moment with my inner child right now. I need to go have tea on the couch with my inner child, just even thinking about that because I had that experience time and time again where I did something wrong and I was taught that I was bad for it. I'll never forget. You know how you go to therapy and you have those stories or situations and circumstances that come up as a defining moment in your life, as a traumatic experience in your life. And some of them are deeply traumatic, big T trauma, freaking crazy, never should happen to anyone. And then some of them are so silly. You're like, I'm so embarrassed that I keep talking about this experience, but I have to say that keeps coming up. For me, we had a lot of kids on our street. We had these neighbors live down the street from us. They had nine kids. This is Ohio, baby. (laughs) They had nine kids. One of the youngest kids, she wanted her socks off. And I was like, I'm going to take off her socks. So I took off her socks, like put her socks somewhere. The mother came out, was like, who took off Abby's socks? And I lied and was like, I didn't take them off because I was scared. I thought I'd get in trouble. And I remember I went home and I told my mom, I was like, mom, I have to tell you I lied. And I said that I didn't take off Abby's socks. And I did. And my mom made me go back to their house and apologize to the mother and say that I lied. And I was made to feel like I was honestly going to prison because I was like the biggest liar. I was such a bad person. I was so dishonest. I was all of these things. And basically, I had the understanding that when I did something that my parents disapproved of, that my mom in this case disapproved of me as a person. So it wasn't like the action of me lying and me being dishonest and me taking off Abby's socks was something that they disapproved of. They disapproved of me. And when you are younger and your brain is developing, you are conflating a lot of times those two things. So if you get in trouble, if you do something bad or wrong, it's really, really hard. And I think it's a nuanced parenting technique that a lot of parents are coming online to for you to be like, hey, you know what? You were dishonest about the socks. We're going to tell her that you were dishonest, but it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means in the situation you felt scared. And you said something that, you know, just wasn't true. I'm reparenting myself right now, you guys. (laughs) This whole podcast is for me to reparent myself. But honestly, it is such a nuanced way of being for us to pull apart our actions from our worth. And many of our parents really taught us that it was about us, that if we were to lie or cheat or steal or sleep in or get bad grades or whatever, that we were bad. We were wrong. We were dumb. We were all of these things. And now we know the things do not define who we are. 
we are perfectly perfect, whole and complete. And if we have an experience where we do something that might not be in alignment with our fullest expression or the life that we want to live or the person that we want to be, it does not mean we are bad. But this is like a new concept that's coming online. So for so many people, we conflate our self-worth to what our parents said, to how we acted, and we just have this conditional perspective of love. We thought that doing something wrong made us wrong and that doing something bad made us bad. So now we have really big issues as a culture and society, and me in particular for sure, as with rejection with disapproval and with negative criticism because our self-esteem was and still is essentially dependent on approval. So, so many people have such a hard time receiving feedback, receiving criticism, receiving reviews from work, receiving feedback from their relationships and their partners because they are in the belief that they are that feedback, that if their husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or person that they're with says, hey, I really didn't like that you checked out of the conversation we had last night. I really felt like you weren't listening to me or paying attention to me because you were watching TV and you were on your phone. Someone that has a relationship where they think that this feedback defines them would say this as, I am bad. I don't care about other people. I'm not loved. I'm not worthy of a relationship. But someone that has a healthy relationship with self would say, oh my gosh, you know what? Thank you for that. You're right. I checked out. I want to be more present. The Roman Stoic philosopher Marcus Aurelius says, we all love ourselves more than other people, but we care about others' opinions more than our own, which I really love that even 2,000 years ago, Marcus Aurelius just was on the same tip with really knowing how much we care about other people's perspectives. So how can we work with this energy, knowing that we care about what other people think? How can we be in better relationship to it? So the way that we can look at this is thinking that the root of the problem with really caring what people think about you is that you're attaching yourself to an outcome that you have no control over. You have no control over what people say, do, or think about you. So in life and in mindfulness and even in just becoming more of our authentic selves and becoming at more peace with life, Part of that experience is that we have to let go and surrender control over things we cannot control. So we have no control over what people think of us, over what people do, or what people say. So that's where the surrender comes in. So the belief that you have any ownership or control over people's opinions about you is really inaccurate and would make us crazy if we focused on that. The reality is that what other people think of you is actually none of your business. People have the right to their own internal dialogue, to their own internal experience, to thinking what they think, to feeling what they feel, and we have no right to control that. And when we think that we can go through life with 8 billion people on this planet controlling how they perceive us, we're just insane. And I do think that because social media and social media apps and creating a profile and posting the things that we do have this weird perception that we can control what people think. Because I'm curating the content, I'm taking the picture that I think I look good in, I'm writing the caption that makes me seem deep or interesting or whatever it is. So in this curation exercise that we're doing on a very regular basis with the internet and social media, we have this perception that we can control what people think, but we actually cannot. I also want to just throw this out there for us to explore in our conversation today. Because we can also ask ourselves, should we stop caring what other people think? I want to ask that question because 
and I'm not going to claim I have the right answer, but sometimes I'm like, I think it's good that we care what other people think. If we stop caring what other people think and stop caring about what other people think of us, we really are separating ourselves from each other by not caring. There's a dissociative element to what I see a lot of people when they talk about not caring what other people think, where it's like, fuck them, don't care what they think. And a lot of that is actually disassociative. And a lot of that is actually denial. And a lot of that is actually depriving them of the opportunity to see things from another person's perspective and also depriving ourselves of the opportunity to see ourselves in a different light. So there is an invitation that when we think about what other people think of us or the other people's opinions of us, if we are detached from the ego identity that we have, we actually can really look at the opinion and perspective of other people in a way that could be potentially helpful, that could be interesting, or could be just information that can just leave our brain forever. But we really are depriving ourselves of the human connection and being in relationship with people when we are not allowing the opinions of others to be something that we take in and even consider. Self-awareness and the ability to be self-aware, something that I pride myself on, something that's painful at most times, but then also very powerful at others, is really difficult if we're not caring what other people think. Because there's a difference between caring what other people think and letting our entire self-concept ride on what other people think. That's the real problem. When you're defining your whole self on what other people think over just like caring, being like, I actually care. I actually care what my intimate circle thinks about me. I care that I'm being an integrity. I care that I'm being kind. I care that I'm being compassionate. It's normal for us to be happy when we're praised or defensive when we're insulted, but it really isn't healthy when someone's insult spins us into self-doubt and hate. So if someone comes up to us and they insult us, it's completely normal to feel defensive and triggered. But if we leave that situation and then we go spiral into, they're right, I am the worst, I am terrible, I am a bad person, I am all these things, that's when it's not healthy. But when we're like, huh, interesting perspective that they had. Well, I know that that's not true. I know that I'm a good person. So it's interesting perspective, but goodbye. What I like to do with feedback or criticism or when I get opinions of other people's is do high buy. So it's like, hi. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to think about it. If it resonates, I might even consider it. And then I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm not going to keep it. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Oh, therapy, y'all. I don't know. I just, I don't know what I did before therapy, to be completely honest with you. I think I was kind of a mess, but you know, found it when I was meant to, but I have been going to therapy for about six years now, which is so crazy. So crazy, but it has changed my life and I will continue to invest in therapy for as long as I can. I feel like it has totally, totally made my relationships better, made my career better. I am a better mom. I am a better wife. I'm a better friend. I'm a better daughter and sister Y'all, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, this is it. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you get matched and you're like, eh, not quite a fit, they make it easy and it's free to change. 
but I've had a lot of friends try BetterHelp and love it. So I really, really encourage you to start therapy. It's been the best decision I've ever made for myself. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash almost 30. So some advice and tips on how to work with the care that we have about what other people think and how to have a better relationship with caring what other people think. So we're not going to completely let go of what other people think. We're going to have a better relationship to it because it's just not likely that we're going to just move on and not give a rat's ass about what people think. First, what I would say is to meet your own needs. Spend a lot of your time in your life meeting your own needs. If you have an opinion, perspective, feedback, someone says something about you, you read something about you, you hear something about you, you find out someone thinks something about you, ask yourself what you need right then. Before we go into any tips, advice, before we get into the mind of it all and strategies, really just meeting your own needs. Oh my gosh, what is coming up for you right now? What does it feel like in your body? What is this reminding you of? If you feel wounded by someone's opinion, just first, what do you need right now? When we feel rejected or disapproved of, we can immediately begin to reject or deprive ourselves. We can do the very thing that people are doing to us, we can do to ourselves. We can really exacerbate our feelings because we then feel bad about two things, the original problem and then feeling bad about it. So an example would be someone says something to you, say a friend is like, you know, you actually are really inconsiderate and I don't really appreciate it. You can then not only feel bad that that friend said that you were inconsiderate, but you can also feel bad that you feel bad. And this is one of the biggest things I always think about when I'm working with people or when I think about my life is removing you feeling bad about how you feel will change your whole life. It will change the game for you. And then you can actually just focus on the truth of your feeling. Because to heal, we must first be honest with ourselves. Be honest with yourself about how you feel and you will be so much further along. So those of us who feel bad when others express a less than favorable opinion to us tend to feel bad about feeling bad about things. So we need to figure out what will make us feel relief on a physical, mental, and emotional level. For example, you might need to take a bath. You might need to journal. You might need to book a therapy session. You might need to vent. You might need to beat up a pillow. You might need to feel a walk. Whatever it is, just do self-validation. Take your self-validation in action. Find the way and strategy to best support yourself in validating yourself. People assume that validation is the same thing as praise or encouragement, but I don't think it is because validation is really to confirm that something is logical or factually sound. Validation is the recognition and acceptance that your feelings and thoughts are true and real to you, regardless of the logic of whether it makes sense to you or anyone else. This is my new tip as well with friends and family and my therapist or whoever I'm talking to. When I notice myself going into an active part of myself that I know from a logical level doesn't make sense, doesn't really, isn't right, I will say, I know the story that I'm telling myself isn't logical and doesn't make sense, but I need to express it. So as an example, when I was with a friend a few weeks ago, I was having this experience where I had been rejected for this opportunity that I really, really want. And when I got this rejection, 
I was spiraling and there was a part of me that was active that feels like I have to make every opportunity happen for me. I always get rejected. Nothing ever happens for me. If I'm not creating the opportunity, it doesn't come. Nothing easy comes for me. I'm never going to get what I want. I'm never going to have my dreams come true. All these things. I know in a way that is not true. And I know in a way that is true. For a part of me, all of those things are true. But what needs to happen in that moment is that I need to be validated for feeling all of those feelings, even if it's not true. This can also happen when we think about our romantic relationships. If we have a breakup, we can think, I'm never going to find love. I'm never going to find my soulmate. I'm never going to be chosen. We know on some level that that's not true, but it is important for us to validate that experience of the part of us that is having that, regardless of the logic or if it makes sense to anyone else. I think that's also really, really important. It doesn't need to make sense to anyone else but you or that part of you that's active for you to validate your own experience. Another really important way for you to not care as much what people think is to become okay with being disapproved of. Notice that it's your brain using the old neural pathways to travel and keep you safe. So it's easier said than done, but when we are no longer running away from the old demon or the bad parts of us or the shadow, it can't keep chasing us. So if our biggest fear in life is to be seen as a bitch, maybe, maybe that's our biggest fear. If we have the experience of at some point being seen as a bitch, then we can meet our shadow. We can meet the part of us that's so terrified to be seen as mean or seen as rude or seen as all of these things. Then it isn't as scary. So there's actually a real beauty in facing the shadow and facing the part of us that's so fearful of the thing. We must develop a willingness to feel all of the feelings, to reach the darkest parts of us to be okay with being disapproved of or be okay with being seen as the thing that maybe is the most scary for us. This is really important because naturally we are trying desperately to get away from discomfort and pain. We are living our lives trying to avoid it all and a life well lived to avoid something is not a life to live at all. We have to stop trying not to get hurt and instead unconditionally sit with the feeling of being hurt until it goes away. So one of my biggest fears in life was to be seen as bad or to be seen as disintegrist or inauthentic. And when you're a public figure, you can have people that think all of those things. And so for me to be okay with the experience knowing that there's people that think I'm inauthentic, I'm a bad person, I am all of these things has to be something I have to reckon with. There's also from a very surface level something that I've gotten over but I've talked about before. One of the biggest fears I had was people seeing me as fat or overweight or as like unattractive in my body. And it's so embarrassing to say but it's like being comfortable and being like actually this is my nightmare but It is what it is. And I have to actually be okay with there's people that probably think that. There's people that might have that opinion and perspective of me, and I can't really do anything about it. I have to be okay and face that shadow part of me, that wound that's holding me back because I'm fearful that someone might think something of me that maybe even doesn't have anything to do with me. I like to really think about shifting the attention from what someone said to just how you feel. So if you get feedback from someone you love, from a friend, from a family member, from work, 
If someone says something about you, I really like to move it away from the dissection of what they said to just how you feel. Because I find so often that people will go down the rabbit hole of spending four hours being like, okay, wait, what did they say? Oh my God, that's crazy because they are this and they've done this and they've said this thing and I can't believe it. They Going into a complete journey into this person, why they're not qualified to say that, why it's rude, why it's wrong, why it's fucked up, why it's all these things, and not actually being with the feeling of like, I'm hurt. I'm sad. I'm disappointed. And we can get so much further along in our healing process when we actually just move to the feeling rather than what someone said, because it's no longer about avoiding disapproval. It's about sitting with and being in the feeling of being disapproved of as it arises within your body when people disapprove of you. You will soon find that if you become okay with discomfort, because you realize that it isn't going to kill you, you'll become okay with whatever life throws your way. You won't spend so much time dissecting the other person and the situation or the thing. You'll just be with yourself and not abandon yourself and how you feel in the process. There is an unparalleled inner peace that really comes from knowing that you can trust yourself to be with yourself and be able to experience and feel anything. In my journey in the darkness, when I did the darkness retreat a few months ago, Part of that journey for me that was so powerful was actually meeting every single emotion that came up, every single fear, every single experience, and not running. Being at the precipice of like the biggest wave of emotion that I've ever felt in my whole life and riding that wave was incredibly liberating and gave me this level of strength and peace that has been so powerful. Another piece of advice is to focus on approving yourself. Approve who you are. This is one of the biggest things probably. How can you approve of yourself? I like to write a list that I can add to, that I can create more detail around of all the things I love about myself. I love that I'm so curious. I love that I care. Oh my gosh, I care so much. I care so much about my life. I care so much about other people. I care so much about my relationships. I love that I'm always willing to go for what I want in life. I love that I take this life very seriously. It's very meaningful to me to be alive. And so many other things that are just the unique experience of being me, but having these written down on a notepad or written down somewhere so we can come back to them to remember that our opinion is the most important and that there is a creative freedom and liberation that you can find in validating your own humanness. And I'm smiling because it makes me so happy to think about all the creative ways I can love myself and all the creative ways I can see the beauty in myself and just the liberation we can feel when we're doing the practice of I love myself. I love that I say hi to every dog that I meet. And I love that I always see the good in people. I love that I'm quick to forgive. And just like romanticizing who you are is such a beautiful thing. It obviously boosts our self-esteem to consider things that other people have said about us, but that's part of the problem. So how can we bring it back to ourself and really look at what is really powerful about who we are in our eyes. Another part of advice is to recognize how critical you are of other people. 
this is a real one. When we receive feedback and criticism, it is sometimes because we've been given out in addition a lot of feedback and criticism ourselves. So recognizing how critical you are of other people is really powerful because then we realize our own righteousness. I think something I like to think about with this is that sometimes I can say critical things of other people or judgmental things of other people so flippantly when I don't realize that if that person heard me say that thing, that would be so painful, that would crush them. So people oftentimes are saying judgmental or cruel things about other people or about you, and it doesn't mean anything to them. But because you have this perception of who you are, your ego identity, your persona from a Jungian perspective is so dialed that if you hear something that goes against it, it can be so painful. So when you recognize how critical you are of others, you really can just be more mindful about how you are in the world, how easy it can be to be critical, and that it doesn't feel good. It feels draining. It doesn't feel life-giving. And it feels like something that if you were to be in better relationship with yourself, you would be less critical with other people. I also like to remember that most of the time we have no idea what people are thinking. So thoughts that we attribute to people and what they're thinking are really just speculation. They really come from our own mind. So if we walk into a room at a party, people aren't smiling at us or people aren't like giving us the reaction that we want. I can't remember the last party I went to, but you know what I mean? Our perception of how they're receiving us is coming from our own brain. So if we're like, oh my God, they think I'm too much. They think I'm overwhelming. They think I'm trying too hard. They think I'm all these things. Your perception and that story that you told might be completely different than everyone else. Say another person walks into a party and no one's really smiling at them. They're kind of doing their own thing. They don't really pay attention. Someone else could come into the room and say, oh my God, I'm so grateful that everyone just kind of continued living their life because I would be so overwhelmed if they looked at me and smiled and if they wanted to talk to me. So all of our thoughts come from our own mind, come from our own stories. And we have to be mindful of that when we think about this process. We can also see when we feel harmed or we feel ourselves activated or triggered by what other people think of us as a guidance to the wounding that we can tend to. So when someone disapproves of us or is critical or makes us feel bad about something, if we are feeling defensive, then there's a wound to defend. There's something still there for us to heal or be with. I love this quote from Laurel K. Hamilton. She says, no name-calling truly bites deep unless in some dark part of us, we believe it. If we are confident enough, then it is just noise. So for me, if someone was like, hey, you know what? I think you're really stupid. I'd be like, that's interesting because I'm a literal genius. But seriously, if someone was like, you're stupid, it would have no effect on me because I, from a young age, have felt like I've cultivated a intellectual perspective or idea, whatever. I've felt smart. And I felt like valued for my intellect from a young age. So it literally would have no effect on me. If someone came up to me and said, you are X, Y, and Z and said all these cruel things that actually had wounding that still needs tending to, I would spiral, honey. I would spiral. And I would know that there's a part of me that still believes what they're saying and still believes the mean things that they have to say about me, whether it's I'm a bad person, I'm too much. I'm inauthentic. I'm all these things. That would still hurt because I'm like, oh man, are there parts of me that are still inauthentic? Are there parts of me that aren't as 
in alignment with my values as I can be. So thinking about what wound we could be potentially trying to defend. So on one level, when you sense disapproval from others, you could really just be experiencing your own feelings about yourself and projecting them onto other people. I put these parts later on because I wanted it more to be about ourselves rather than other people. But I do have to say, we have to consider other people's insecurities and the person themselves. So could this person feel threatened by you? Is there a way that they treat other people like this? Perhaps they lack certain social skills and they feel this is the only way they're heard by being rude or aggressive or by bullying. Is this a fear that is coming up for them? Is this jealousy or a suppressed part of themselves being projected onto you? I would be remiss if I didn't include this as part of it because oftentimes when someone is saying something critical about us, oh my gosh, why is Krista doing a podcast? Like, oh my gosh, who does she think she is? I had a friend when I moved to Los Angeles, she told me a few years later, she's like, I remember when you moved to Los Angeles, I was like, does she want to be famous? And I'm like, that's a weird thing to say because that's never been part of my experience. But Maybe it's an aspect of them that they're suppressing, that they potentially want to be famous. Maybe there's something where they're judgmental of people that want to put themselves out there or have their creativity seen. So always considering who this person is, are they of value to you? Does their opinion matter to you in your life? And really just looking at that when we're taking things into consideration. For me, from a stranger or someone I do not know, this person's opinion is very rightly so much less impactful on my life than the people that I love and trust. Someone I've never met, if they have an opinion of me, I actually have no idea who they are. So it would make sense that I wouldn't value their opinion as much as I would my intimate partner or my best friend. I also really like to think about with this case and scenario that there's an inner child in this person that's acting out. So there might be the inner child or the active inner teen that is seeking approval or fearful of losing out on love or looking to control or looking to control your experience. And I love to think about in whether it's myself or the other person that I'm receiving feedback from or I'm feeling like they're judging me or all of those things. Maybe they have an inner child that's scared that you're going to abandon and leave them if you get too big, if you become too sparkly, if you do all those things. Maybe there's a part of me that feels like they're not going to love me if I change or if I evolve or if I grow. So thinking about everyone as if they were inner children or as if they were the most loving, tender aspects of themselves just seeking love and approval. I really like to also think, why would we care about someone's opinion that we don't respect? And I know this is the harsh part of it. I wanted to provide the loving tenderness, the kindness, the compassion, but I also did want to say that We really shouldn't care about people's opinions who we don't respect. If there's someone who's not living a life that I love, cherish, admire, want, seek, or if there's not someone that I deeply am in relationship with where they have the right to an opinion on me, where they know me enough to know that they can see the shadow aspects of me or they can see the parts of me that deserve a perspective or opinion, Why would we give our value away to someone that we don't even want to hang out with, to someone we wouldn't even want to have coffee with? Imagine giving brain space and even your dreams up for someone you don't even want to have coffee with. 
So many people who have a dream or desire to share their voice, be heard, step outside their comfort zone, make their dreams happen, do not make their dreams happen because of someone that they literally wouldn't even want to work out next to in a workout class. How wild is that? Someone that they might never see in their entire life is dictating the outcome of their life. It's horrible. And so hopefully during our time together, we learn to validate ourselves, validate our emotions and experiences, be in right relationship with others enough that we respect ourselves first, we tend to ourselves first, we can see the love and kindness in other people, we can look at the other person from a holistic perspective to look at their insecurities, to look at the truth of who they are, and focus on approving ourselves. And to end, I love the quote, I do not care so much what I am to others as I care what I am to myself. Miguel de Montenegro. That's my French accent. Don't judge me after this episode. I've had so much fun exploring this with you, deep diving this with you, just thinking about this with you, even when I was doing my notes prior, thinking about all the ways that I am deeply affected by how people think of me and how I can liberate myself even further to step more into who I am, into my authenticity over the fear of other people. I have a lot more episodes and solo episodes on almost 30. We have over 600 episodes. So if you want to dive into spirituality, health, and wellness, if you want to know yourself more, if you want to laugh, highly recommend subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. It means so much when you just take a second, even right now, to pause the episode and just say, hey, this was meaningful to me. This was helpful for me. We also have our courses and programs on almost30.com. I have my signature program, The Life Edit which is all about bringing conscious awareness to all areas of your life. We have the Sacredness of Being Single program. We have the Invitation program, which is perfect if you're in a breakup season. We have our membership. We are a podcast that wants to support you in this conscious evolution, and I'm here for every step of it. You can find me on Instagram at It's Krista, and I'll see you on the next one. Love you guys. Bye-bye.